0: Major League Baseball is here to stay right here.
1: This project is a home run and means so much more to us than sports. 40 years that we have been waiting for promises that were made. Well, we are waiting no longer. This is what the community was promised, and this is what we will accomplish. This is what progress looks like. And our Rays are here to stay.
0: Welcome to our new podcast series, Here to Stay. I'm your host today, Neil Solons. Our latest segment is with St. Petersburg Mayor Kenneth T. Welsh, who just began the third year of his first term. Welsh is a third generation St. Petersburg resident. And I started our conversation by asking about his connection to the historic gas plant neighborhood.
1: Well, you know, my connection goes all the way back to my birth, actually, Neil. So my grandfather had a woodyard right at 16th Street and Fifth Avenue South, Welch's Woodyard. And and back then was was a different time, but the boys worked in the woodyard and the girls worked at, at grandma's house. And, you know, my, my first recollections were, you know, folks coming to buy oak and pine that we would cut up. I I was taught to use a an axe and a chainsaw early. I still have my granddad's uh, axe handle, with me as a reminder of what hard work is. But that's the neighborhood I grew up in. And he had to move that wood yard in the 70s when the interstate came through, when I-175 literally goes right over, if you know where 5th and 16th is, that's right where he was. And there were a a number of businesses. His sister had a, a restaurant across the street. There were several businesses in that quarter that were disrupted Uh, from that uh, interstate coming in. Uh, A few blocks away, a couple of blocks north, a couple of blocks to the east, was our family church, Prayer Tower, where our whole family attended. My uncle, Clarence Welch, who also was an educator, longtime science teacher at Azalea, was the pastor there. Uh, And there were a number of churches in the area, First Baptist, uh, Bethel Metropolitan, and others. And so that whole area, I knew as a neighborhood, it it was a 10 or 15-minute neighborhood where you had residential, you had commercial businesses, you had um, houses of worship all in that area. And it's important to note it was that way because of redlining. So African Americans basically had to live in a couple of areas of town, and that was one of them. But it became a really vibrant area. You had all incomes. You could have a doctor living next to a laborer. And uh, and so I knew it as a neighborhood, and I, and I kind of grew up that way. But again, after the first disruption of the interstates coming through later on came uh, in 1978 when I was uh, at Lakewood High School, anchoring the the award-winning offensive line, by the way. The city decided to to declare that area an area of blight and an area for redevelopment. And obviously, the community pushed back on that because it had already been disrupted by the interstates a few years prior. Now, the entire area... Was asked to, you know, basically dislocate, dismantle this neighborhood in the interest of economic development. And so, after uh, a lot of debate, my my other connection is my father, who was also an educator, was elected to the council in 1981, the Saint Pete City Council. Uh, you know, so he was heavily involved in making sure that folks got just value for their properties. It was a back and forth, uh, for example, with the the churches that were relocated to get actual market value so they didn't have didn't have to go into debt in a new location. But, you know, those agreements were reached, but the promise was there'd be jobs, there'd be economic development, there'd be opportunities for those black businesses that were dislocated and, and, and who lost their customer base to have a renewed ecosystem. And of course those things never happened over the years uh, as, you know, Tropicana feels surrounded by 86 acres of asphalt. So I've I've actually lived the history of, of the historic gas plan in, in Tropicana Field and uh, really feel connected to not only the promises that were made, but the opportunity we have through our partnership behind raise and the county to finally make those promises come to fruition and move our entire community forward. So I'm really excited about where we are right now.
0: And before we get to that aspect of it, with your personal connection, can you touch on maybe why is one of the the first duties in your your tenure as mayor? You thought it was important to reissue the RFP.
1: Well, it was time to bring this uh, bring some certainty to this issue. You know, um, during the campaign in twenty twenty one, it obviously is one of the priorities that our community was was talking about. You know, we needed certainty on the raise. We needed certainty on moving forward with a plan for honoring those promises of 40 years ago at the historic gas plant. As you know, there had been a previous RFP by by my predecessor, Rick Christman, And what I promised folks is that we would get to a place of certainty on the raise and how we move forward on that entire 86 acres. And we'd also do it in the spirit of partnership. And I think that is really why we were so successful. We were also post-COVID, so a lot of things had changed. We were not sure about the demand for office space and some of the other uh, parameters that were included in the previous RFP. But one of the big factors was you can't have a conversation about the future of the gas plant and a partnership with baseball if baseball, via the Rays, doesn't have an opportunity to be a part of that or, or have that discussion. And so that, for all those reasons, I decided to cancel previous RFP and start a new process that was inviting to the Rays to be a part of that. We had discussions uh, with the Rays, and and my relationship with with Brian and the Rays obviously goes back to to uh, to two thousand six, two thousand seven, when I was chair of the county commission, and so we had a good relationship, and I was confident if we had. An opportunity for the race to be a part of this that uh, that that would happen.
0: So when the Heinz race proposal was chosen, elaborate on why or what were the most compelling reasons? Well,
1: we set out we we like to be straightforward in what we what we talk about and, and it's really not complicated. you know uh, one of the things mom always taught me and she just turned 90 and happy birthday mom is if you just tell the truth all the time, you don't have to worry about which lie you told to which person, right? So we're just straightforward. And, and so in the RFP, we put 23 principles. Uh, we wanted equitable economic development. We wanted inclusion for the, the minority business community that was uprooted. Uh, we wanted substantial affordable housing. Uh, we wanted a real tangible way to honor the historic gas plant, not just a trail or, or a plaque, but we wanna to try to rebuild that ecosystem that existed. And the Rays and Hines were super responsive to those principles. Uh, they not only uh, respected our approach to equitable economic development, but they embraced it. They brought a, a capacity. Uh, and, and one of the things I'm really concerned about is our ability to actually get this done not just have an agreement that looks good on paper, but we need to be able to implement this over 20 years. And certainly the Rays have a track record of 25 years in our city and county, and Heinz brings capacity and capability in, in terms of what they bring to the table, their experience, but also their equity. And I was very confident that they were the best proposal to, to make this actually come to fruition.
0: since you brought up the the 23 guiding principles for the project can you elaborate a little bit on how that really helped inform your decision yeah well the the responses
1: to me really illustrated what the partnership would be with each group you know some were just pie in the sky you know it, we can do this at no you know no cost to the to the city or county some wanted to repurpose tropicana feel and cut off the top of it and make it a retractable roof and then you had two that i thought were actually um, really good sugar hill and and the heinz rays group again the experience the practical experience of of heinz rays makes a difference they've done these kind of urban projects before we uh, toured uh, truist park recently um and and My experience with the Rays and the county commission, uh, you know, I've served 20 years on the county commission. So I've had an opportunity to work with this current ownership group, and we've always had a great relationship, and um, they've always come through with uh, the promises that they've made on different issues. So um, at the end of the day, the strength of the Rays-Hines group made the difference for me, and um, I announced that last year. Um, at our state of the city. And we promised uh, we'd come to <laughs> a term sheets by the end of summer. I think we we uh, made that deadline by three days. Uh, we've already presented that to city council. Uh, we've also, also presented to the county commission, we got a very good reception from our partners at the county commission. And so I'm really excited about where we are. My thought going in, and it's, I think, been validated, is that we are – so strong and we recognize the value of our partners. And so from day one, the city, our city council has been kept in the loop. We reached out to our county commission, uh, Barry Burton, the county administrator has been an integral part of our team, along with our own uh, city administrator, Rob Gertis, and his team. It's been a partnership since day one. And when you can craft that kind of partnership with the the strength that the county brings to their bed tax. You know, they're paying uh, actually a little bit more than the city is on this uh, for the raise and highs to step up and be a substantial partner and pay more than half of the stadium costs. Um, that is a real uh, partnership that, that I thought uh, could bring this, uh, bring this to pass. And, and it we're at the brink of making
0: that happen. With all that said, and all that you know to this point, what are you looking forward to most for St. Petersburg <laughs> and also that community that you're so connected to?
1: The opportunities that are coming, I don't think folks really grasp um, the kinds of opportunities that are coming in terms of not only collaboration, um, you know, the creation of 30,000 jobs uh, during the construction phase. And these are not just temporary jobs, their career paths, in my view, their way to connect uh, kids into the construction trades and the construction carpentry. Um, and so many of these are not um, just the, the the traditional way we think about um, those trades, but there's a lot of technology involved in it, uh, a lot of uh, engineering concepts. So what we want to do is build this academy where we get folks into the proper training a lane for the particular trade they wanna go into. It's something that we've been talking about outside of the historic gas plant with folks like Tanja Williams at SPC president and uh, with USF St. Pete and with um, Pinellas Technical College to connect young people and, and all people really to trades that can really pay them a great income. For, for example, um, St. Pete College has a program for their linemen. It's a program, and I'm an f- old Florida power guy. And they go through St. Pete College. You come out with a certific- certificate to be a Duke Energy lineman, making $60,000 uh, right out of the gate. It's that kind of empowerment of folks for real career paths that can come also come out of this. So building that academy and getting folks into a path that can really change their economic life for them and their family. Uh, is really important to me and that will lift up our entire community. So it's the job opportunities, it's, it's the wealth building opportunities and a whole list of other things, you know, addressing office space needs that we have uh, in our in our city and county. Um, the affordable housing, 1200 units of affordable and workforce housing coming out of this. Not to mention the 50 million dollars in community benefits, uh, that includes another $15 million for affordable housing, $10 million for the Woodson uh, African-American Museum of History, and then a whole set of, of $25 million for economic uplift in our community. Again, going back and honoring those promises when the, commu- the, the business community was dislocated back in, in the 80s. So there is so much in this. My concern is that our workforce is ready that we've got enough vendors that we've got enough uh, folks that want to work in the construction and then in the permanent jobs after that we've got enough small businesses that are uh have the capacity to participate in this 6.5 billion dollars of, of economic development and investment that is coming so it's um almost like the dog that caught the car we caught it and now is a community ready to participate and this economic uh, opportunity that it, that is coming. And that's what we'll be focusing on now. Um, it's great to have reached this point. Now we got to make sure we connect folks to these opportunities that are
0: coming. Well, we appreciate your work to this point and we look forward for what's to come and appreciate you sharing your connection to this story and this, this development project.
1: Thank you, Neil. And of course, something I cannot leave out is our Rays will be here to stay in one of the best ballparks uh, in the nation. And it will integrate with with St. Pete and be a real St. Pete's flavored development that'll blend with our city and what we're becoming. I'm excited about that. There's really so much to be excited about and we just need a couple of votes to get there. And so we'll be uh, working with city council to make sure that happens.
0: Thanks so much to Mayor Kenneth T. Welch for joining us on the third segment of our series, Here to Stay. Thanks so much for being with us, and we'll talk with you soon.